Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 31. I'm Christina Suzama, and with me is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. How are you today? Great, great. How about you? I'm doing great, and I would like to extend a greetings and welcome to all of our global viewers uh, to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman, and I will be your host with Christina as we explore another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy today, uh, looking for ways towards optimal health. So start your engines. Yeah, I, th I think we really have to start them up today, huh? Yeah, the uh, I think the flu season just started a few oh, days no, ago. Oh, no, really? How, yeah, do so they have an official date for that? <laughs> uh, I think they're calling it October 1th. October 1th. <laughs> right. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a, see, no one could say, people say California doesn't have seasons. You know, mm. We have our flu season <laughs> and summer. <laughs> Those are our two seasons. That, that's pretty good. But it, it is interesting when you say that. And, and, you know, I, we know that there are seasons here after living here for so long. Just because all the leaves on the trees don't fall off, et cetera, and we don't get snow on here in the city, I mean, it, we really do have our seasons here. I mean, you can really feel it in the air. And, and uh, yeah, as you say, you know, it's, it's a telltale sign of the flu <laughs> and other allergies during spring. <laughs> uh, no question. Uh, but here where I live, sometimes, I mean, we have our seasons. Um, we even see snow on the mountaintops here. Uh, during the winter at certain times, depending on uh, many atmospheric conditions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we know that uh, the seasons keep moving on. Today, I think, you know, every once in a while, uh, I love having our uh, experts come on and talk to us about their specialties. But every once in a while, I just feel it's a good idea to give some thoughts uh, and converse with you as uh, my specialty being a medical guide. And I look at uh, healthcare and a number of things that are going on in healthcare, and I work with people every day on different aspects of healthcare. And there's so many topics, as you know, uh, it's limitless. But I was thinking today that one of the things that we should talk about is something that is not really spoken of too much. And I think we need more understanding in terms of uh, health and it's about healing. So I want to spend some time today just chatting a little bit and having some conversation with you about healing, different aspects of healing, uh, purposes of healing, how we heal, why we heal, why we don't heal. What are some of the impediments and obstacles toward healing, and what's the proper way? It seems that in Western medicine, and we'll talk about comparisons of Western and all of the integrative medicines uh, that go along with it, but Western medicine uh, does things to help in healing, uh, depending on specific uh, diseases or illnesses or injuries, we do our part. Um, and a lot of it is left up to the individual. And there's not a lot of guidance other than, you know, take these pills, 
and I'll see you in a week. Uh, call me if there's anything wrong. Or sometimes there'll be some physical therapy after some kind of an injury or a surgery. Mm-hmm. But we don't really guide our patients and clients in a healing system. We we allow it. And I think part of the reason that we allow it as Western doctors is that we know that there are certain functions in the body that do healing no matter what we do. And sometimes the, the uh, a lot of the integrative people and energy workers talk about innate healing and inner healings and things like that. And we, we'll get into that. But I think for the most part, the body uh, does a lot of things to heal. And so we we just allow it. And then we count on it, in fact. And it does most of the time in relatively normal people. There is relatively normal healing. But it it doesn't mean uh, that we couldn't heal more optimally. And I think that's part of my focus for today on just like we talk about optimal health. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should speak about optimal healing mm-hmm. because people, you know, that have a knee surgery uh, you can take 100 people that just had the same exact knee surgery, and at the end of two years, you you will see a number of different uh, levels of healing based on pain, based on limitation, based on range of motion, based on strength and things like that. Not everyone will heal perfectly. Some people will heal better. Some people will heal worse. Some people won't heal at all. But what can we do? to optimize our own healing because ultimately it is our own healing in again in western medicine part of treatments are usually standard templates of this is the dose of the antibiotic that you take and this is the amount of time that you take it for and we count on that for a healing process and once you do that we believe that your infection will go away but there are other things that can be done so, let's talk about it for a few minutes. First of all, let me ask you a question. How do you view healing? How do I view healing? Right. Um, for me, it's it's very holistic. That that you know there is a place for all types of healing at certain times of that individual's life or whatever. Um, they are whatever the imbalances in their body. For me, it's about finding finding the the aids to help them rebalance, whether it be Eastern or Western medicine. And that's and and I live by this. I truly live by this. I I don't believe in in one or the other. I believe in a whole. You know, there there are reasons why that that I feel that you know. Uh, the science behind it has, has brought us so far to understand so many diseases, etc. And then comes the other end of of the spectrum, which is the the Eastern philosophies, which they've had centuries and centuries <laughs> of the herbs and teas and soups and balances and and you know the the from the seeds that you cannot even find here, you know, all the way to the berries, and you kind of wonder, you know, it's like, well, they've had centuries of this of of experimenting, of, of um, you know, the hot and the cold, the yin and the yang. And I feel that, you know, if, if I continue to approach 
all levels of healing, from the massage to the energetic work as a whole, as to what the individual needs at this present moment, um, and it's to find balance. It, it cannot be one or I, my sense is it cannot be one or the other. It's like when you talk about the knee, okay, well, we've worked on the knee, but because we've, we've sort of severed certain uh, energetic flow and meridians during the surgery, well, how do we rebalance all that at the same time to support that knee in the healing? <laughs> you know? Oh, that's right. Right. That's so great. That's sort of my, been my approach uh, since being a very, um, a childhood where I was very sickly most of my childhood um, that, and immersed in more the Western medicine. That it, it comes back to, you know, uh, in my teenage years was when I found the Eastern philosophies, et cetera, that helped me regain balance. So because of that, you know, I think that's where, you know, through the trial and error on my own that I felt, you know, the holistic approach as in, you know, never, I never negate anything that comes across my path or if someone introduces me to it, I try to learn about it and see if it works. If it works, great. <laughs> you know, hooray, if it doesn't work, well, I, you know, I didn't lose anything but a bit of time, right? Yes, I think that's great. And I think that's, uh, that answer is great for a little bit of foreshadowing where we, we may end up our conversation more today. And I think if a lot more people uh, thought like you did, uh, we'd have a lot more healings uh, mm. among our species. So I want to talk first about uh what our body does in a physical sense. And then I want to come into the mind and then I want to come into the spirit and all the energies and things like that. Mm -hmm. The, the body has a, a number of systems that have been developed uh, over eons to protect us from injury, possibly to prevent injury and then, or illness. And then if we get something to heal from it. So let's go over a few things first. And again, I always like to bring people back to the understanding that we're, we're made up, at least in the cellular tissue body of cells. That's what we're made of. Every part of our body has to do with cells. <clears throat> and these cells have really three uh, purposes in their life. And each one of them has a lifespan. Not every cell lives forever. For example, we always talk about a red blood cell. Everybody knows what a red blood cell is. And that cell, the lifespan of that cell is about 120 days. The lifespan of us as an organism right now is approaching the 90s to 100. We have a few people that have lived uh, past 100 and some of our ancient literature says that people actually lived hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, but at this moment in time, we're living closer to 90 and to 100. And with all the science that's going on and the better things that are happening in some ways, we may have the opportunity to live a lot longer than that. But we don't know that our cells are going to last that long. <laughs> so we have to add things to it. But anyway, back to the cell. The cell has three purposes, really. One purpose is to survive and grow. They, they're created and then they survive till they go through their lifetime and then they either die or kill themselves through a process and then more cells take over. The second uh, purpose of a cell is 
to do what it was functioned and designed to do. So there are different cells all through the body. You have cells that make up the liver, and those cells do liver things. Uh, they detoxify drugs and chemicals and foods, and they produce uh, certain chemicals that help in uh, digestion and healing and a number of uh, chemical processes. A bone cell is designed to be strong and help to take the tension that the tendons and muscles are attached to and to give structure and balance and stability. Uh, a nerve cell either does conduction of some kind or whatever. So all of the cells in the body have their purpose of living and then the second is to do the function that they were designed to do. And the third part has to do with um, surviving. You know, it, it really needs to survive, and which sometimes means healing. Mm -hmm. So then once we get connected to our cells, then we have the opportunities as a human that's carrying this uh, boatload of cells around with us all the time, uh, we have two opportunities. We have the opportunity for order and we have the opportunity for disorder. And those could be words that could be changed around. Uh, order could be nurturing, for example. So when we do things that help a cell and allow a cell to remain in proper order, then it will continue to survive and to function and do what it's supposed to do. We eat the right foods, we exercise, we decrease our stress levels, uh, we get enough sleep, we have a centering or spiritual process, and we practice good patterns of behavior. That, that brings order, and when our cells are in order, they're happy. When we bring in disorder, we're exposed to a high dose of radiation or too much heat or too much cold or eating foods that may not be good for us or exposure to uh, chemicals, pesticides, and uh, a number of other things. That creates a sense of disorder. And when the disorder comes into our body, the environment of the cells, the cells can no longer be in a mode of, of function. Right now, they're in a mode of survival, so all of their energy has to go towards surviving. That means they can't grow, and that means they can't function as well, although they will always still try to function. Uh, the main purpose of the cell at that point, when we introduce disorder into the system, uh, is to survive. And when we get through that, that's uh, then we go back to normal. So disorder is also about <clears throat> if we develop an infection and we have to take antibiotics, the antibiotics are, even though they're a good thing for the infection, they're not necessarily a good thing for the order of the cells. So things happen, and we all know this now, that we take a certain antibiotic and then suddenly our intestines are not happy and we have to start taking things like probiotics or eat yogurt to uh, improve the balance of the bacteria and the part of the immune system in the intestine. So uh, we're, we try to stay in a balance and hopefully more toward order. And when we do this, 
we stay healthy and we're in optimal health. When we don't do this, then we have the opportunity when cells are in a state of disorder, they have to come back to a state of order. And this is what healing is about. And depending on how we allow them to come back, if they're struggling to come back, they may never come back as strong uh, and they may mutate or they may do other things or they may limit their return to optimal health. So we have a number of things in our body. These cells do a number of things on different levels. The first thing that we have is essentially, I believe, prevention. So what did the cells do in terms of prevention of illness and injury? Well, <clears throat> we have barriers like the skin, the, the dermal cells. They protect us from certain things to a degree. They all have their limitations. We then have uh, mucosa and uh, hairs in our nose when we're breathing and a number of other uh, parts to our body that seem to be a barrier to not allow all of the predators that are out there, the viruses, the funguses, the fungi, the uh, parasites, bacteria, they're all out there trying to get into us. And for the most part, mm -hmm. the barriers seem to work. But if they, before even the barriers, we have something even deeper, which is our uh, psycho-neuro-immunological uh, system. And this includes hormones and things like that. For example, if we're being chased by uh, somebody or something, our system goes into, and we all know the words, fight or flight. Uh, this allows adrenaline or epinephrine to be secreted into our bloodstream uh, so we can run away from something or we can get hyper strength uh, mm. so to protect us from things. So. Uh, sometimes we can avoid things, and that's part of healing also. The the best part of healing is not to have something to heal from. So prevention is very important. We then go deeper into the blood cells. There are many different types of blood cells that circle the body. And, for example, we've talked about platelets, which are uh, in our talk last week with Dr. Robert Gayou, uh he mentioned platelets, and we've had other doctors mention that. And those are the little critters in the blood, the little cells. They're not actually critters. Well, maybe they are. Uh, <laughs> that is their own universe, right? <laughs> Aliens from each other's planets. <laughs> right. And they go around, and if you get cut, it stops bleeding so that we don't bleed to death. So that's mm -hmm. one form of a blood uh, system that helps us. We also have uh, part of our immune system, which are lymph type cells and white cells. And these are cells as part of the immune system that the body has essentially, when any cell is produced on the, on the uh, assembly line of production, before it actually goes out to be a cell, it gets stamped uh, with just like, you know, where our underwear and our socks, uh, this product was made by uh, person number 728. Uh, the cells are stamped with something that says, this is part of me. So when the immune system starts searching the body for things that are abnormal or foreign, it, it bypasses all the cells that have the stamp on them that say, this is part of me. And it doesn't affect them. 
and it goes on. And we have lymph cells that are produced in different parts of the body, in the bone marrow, and in different glands. And these are another set of functions. We, including in the intestinal tract, we have special areas where a large portion of our immune system uh, are effective. So all of these programs are designed to help us heal. But within that process, also, just, just so that everyone knows, <clears throat> this is also where disease comes in. Every type of cell that's produced has the ability to mutate or get changed. And depending on genetics and uh, environmental factors, it can change into a cell that no longer uh, essentially erases the stamp and things can go wrong. This is where cancers occur, and this is where infections occur, and this is where major disorders occur that have to be dealt with. But hopefully, and most of the time in the normal system, all of these programs are working correctly to help in healing when something happens. So uh, that's that's what the body seems to do from a cellular level. Mm. And there are many things that we can do to help those cells. As I said, uh, keeping order in the system by making sure the next step in terms of healing is after prevention is preparation. Uh, And that means to make sure at all times that your whole system, this whole organism that you are, which are made up of numbers of cells doing number of things to make you happy, make us happy, uh, is working very hard. And, and we need to honor this. And we honor this by eating the right foods in the proper amounts, not getting overweight, not getting underweight, staying at a good weight. Uh, exercising, but not exercising so much that we hurt ourselves and not under exercising so much or so little that we don't have any benefit. We have to make sure we get the right amount of sleep. You know, sleep is such an important thing and, and we, we don't look at it as, as important as we do food and oxygen and things like that, but it's just as important for the part of the body's healing systems. We, we're happy to do so many things, go out and buy all sorts of supplements and uh, find out our cholesterol levels, our our HDL and our LDL, t- and try and do things to change that. But we don't do as many things to help ourselves sleep. And that's a very important part. And stress management is another part. As I've talked about, all of the areas that I look at when I work with uh, my clients as a medical guide to help prepare them for illness and injury, but mainly to keep them in opt- optimal health. So preparation and prevention are the next part. So then we come, do you have any questions so far? <laughs> I was going to say, you know, that you're covering so much and in so much detail that um, if uh, you, our audience, has any questions for Dr. Glenn Wilman, now's the time to ask. I mean, you've gone through quite a lot, <laughs> Glenn, a lot of detail. It's almost like, all right, now you need to give us a point form list of all, <laughs> all these processes that our body goes through. Right. It's, it's pretty complex. And mm-hmm. one of the fantastic things about being in medicine that I really love is that science um, 
is continuing to find things and find answers and go deeper. The microscope is getting better and better and better. The lens is showing us things and the genetics and the geneticists are giving us so many areas that we can work with now that give us more understanding of what life is about and how we uh, grow and how we heal, etc. And also uh, why things go wrong. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to be able to be in this field. Absolutely. So if, if anyone has any questions, um, please, uh, uh, online, uh, if you scroll down below the screen, you will see that there's a little box there, a little comment box. If you type it in there, it'll actually pop up on my screen, and I can actually read it to Dr. Woolman for you. And uh, so, Glenn, would you would you uh, consider like any questions that people might have about anything that's going on with them? Well, I certainly. Why should we limit it? Mm -hmm. uh, I may not be able to give a perfect answer at this point, but uh, you know, we're in the galaxy, so there, there are no go. limits at this point. So now we come to the the process of actually healing when something goes wrong, and the and the first part has to do with uh, are we a normal person uh, or do we have genetic disorders or do we have a chronic illness or things like that? So it becomes as a medical guide for me, what I have to do is de I understand what the normal is from a bell shirt shaped statistical curve of what a normal body is. But what I've learned over the years is that everyone has their own sense of normal. If someone is born blind, for example, that's their normal. And I have to work with that and they have to work with that also as part of the process. So what's so it becomes what mode are we in when we have an injury or illness? And what I'm talking about with the modes are at the beginning of life, we're in a mode of growth and development. And if you get ill or injured at that time, assuming that your immune system is working correctly, let's talk about a, maybe a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 16-year-old, someone that's still in a growth mode. Mm -hmm. Those people usually heal no matter what we do. You know, and that's what gives us that sense of immortality that we suddenly learn at a later point in time that uh, we need to do many more things to protect ourselves. But we basically have the confidence that if we don't really hurt ourselves badly, if we don't get too sick with some really bad disease, we're going to heal. Then we have the next mode as we get into sort of middle age where we're in just a balance program where we're not growing in height anymore. We might be growing in girth. <laughs> we might be growing in wisdom. But uh, our cells don't grow as well. So that means they don't heal as quickly and as fast. And this is one of the major issues that I, uh, I see in our species is that uh, we have this sense that we're always going to heal. And in our mind, we're always going to heal as if we were a 10-year-old. So mm -hmm. when a weekend uh, athlete goes out and injures their ankle uh, and they're 40 or 45 or 50 or something like that, they immediately have a few responses. Their first response is to think that they're 10, that they're going to be able to walk it off and heal easily and it no problem. The second response is that they're watching uh, an, a game 
on the National Basketball Association, the NBA, and they watch some uh, great uh, supreme athlete get injured, they go out with a specific type of uh, bone or ligament injury, and then you follow them in the news and you find out that they had an MRI and they had this uh this specific injury and then they have a surgery for it and then you see them back on the court uh, playing a certain time later that is fairly unbelievable and it doesn't make sense to us so we think uh, that we can do the same thing we don't we don't take into consideration that they're a highly trained athlete in superb condition and they have a team of experts working with them and on them and around them which we don't always get to have so it's very important. Uh, the, the hardest part for me is to get people to understand something before an experience. Uh, most people don't learn things until they experience the pain of, of an injury. You can't say to them, oh, that could hurt you. you know? <laughs> and they go, oh, then I won't. They go, no, it won't. And, and if it doesn't hurt them and they do it, then they're even more convinced. And then suddenly uh, you get hurt. And then suddenly they have this wisdom going, wow, that, that hurt me. <laughs> you know, isn't that interesting, Glenn, that, that since childhood, that we carry that through to adulthood? <laughs> the same thing. When our parents go, don't do that, you may get hurt. And we're going, no, it's okay. So you're saying that the adults that you work with also have that same attitude. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and even into the elderly ages. Uh, so... <laughs> One of the things for me, aside from prevention and preparation, is knowledge. We have to figure out as a species how to uh, convey to young people what life is going to be about when they're older. And this is an area that is fascinating to me. And I believe that we need to spend more time teaching children about the human body. People need to know about the body. They need to know that the body is not indestructible. They need to know that the body uh, can repair itself and how it repairs itself, but they need to know that it may repair itself with a scar, so it's not going to be the same as it was before an injury. And we also need to know other things. For example, if we knew the size of the spinal cord, and we knew the space that the spinal cord was in, the canal, and we knew there were only a few millimeters. That's a very small amount of distance. Many people might consider that that few millimeters is the difference between being able to use your arms mm -hmm. and your legs or being on a respirator paralyzed as a quadriplegic for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there are many things that we should consider that we do in our lifetime for the sake of fun and entertainment and excitement, which I'm all in favor of. Uh, but if we knew that we're only millimeters away from being paralyzed uh, or we're, we're one twist or torque away from herniating a disc or tearing a, a ligament – we might look at things a little differently, the way we work out in a gym, the way we exercise, this, even the sports that we choose to uh, pursue. Uh, our bodies are not necessarily 
meant and designed to be able to run and run and run and run and run. They're certainly designed to run away from something or to run towards something for a moment, but not to continuously pound joints in, say, long-distance running or triathlons. And I know all of these things are <clears throat> they're portrayed as these are the healthiest people, the ones that can run marathons, and these are the ones that do triathlons. And they are very healthy. But the question is, they're healthy now in the mode where they're still in growth or they're in the mode where they uh, in a holding pattern. But then we get to the final mode, which is the mode of sort of decay and ending. Mm -hmm. And in that mode, when we're in that mode, we're not going to heal as, as well from anything. So if we have to have a surgery at a certain age or we injure ourselves or we come into that age already injured with deficits, then uh, we're not going to heal and we're going to have to deal with what we have at that point. And one of the toughest things to deal with is pain. Uh, and chronic pain becomes uh, just miserable. And that's, that's one of the things that we talk about really in a certain type of healing. It's having to be able to enjoy life and a quality of life, even though we might have great mental uh, capacity, but if every step we take has pain in it coming from our back or coming from a knee or every time we reach for something, we have an elbow or a wrist joint, which is in pain, that's, that doesn't lead to quality of life. And that's where certain types of healings sometimes come in, but not always. So those are the different modes that we have to talk about. And depending on what you do in each of those modes, that's going to determine types of healing. So we, we look at things like uh, an appendicitis, you know, at, at age 12 or at age 18. Mm. You have appendicitis, it's, it's diagnosed, you have your surgery, and you essentially get better, and then you move forward. But if you have a chronic illness, if you have something that is never going to get better, say you're diagnosed with a certain type of lupus, or you're diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, um, some debilitating disease that's just going to get worse, then we have to talk about different types of healings. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to stay a little more focused in the cellular physical aspect of healing first and then move maybe into the mental aspects and the spiritual aspects of healing. Mm -hmm. uh, but before I do that, is there anything that you're thinking right now that well, I have to tell you, some questions have come in while we've been here. So would you like to take them now, uh, Glenn, or would you like to save them till closer to the end? Uh, why don't we um, take the first one now and okay. see where we go with that. And okay. Um, what I'm talking about, we'll come back. Okay, so uh, talking about blood, mm -hmm. I bruise easily and often. Does that have anything to do with weekly headaches? Mm. With weekly headaches? Weekly headaches, like every week? <clears throat> Certainly, well, bruising and headaches are two different aspects. And one of the fascinating things about medicine is trying to figure out a diagnosis of what causes what. So let's talk about bruising first. Usually bruising has to do with uh, skin texture and, and resiliency. But then it goes into blood vessels and how strong the blood vessels are or how weak they are or if they get damaged. 
And then it goes into those areas that we spoke about before of platelets and uh, a number of other blood products. So we have in with someone who has bruising, uh, especially for no reason that they could think of, they're not on a steroid, for example, which breaks the skin all the time, or they're not on a blood thinner and they didn't get hit by something. If they just bruise spontaneously, there are workups that need to be done for that. And those workups include uh, bleeding time. So you would nick somebody and then you would watch them start to bleed and, and then you would just time it. And you would say, did it take one minute or did it take 15 minutes or did they not stop at all? And once you go through a number of studies, uh, different uh, laboratory tests, then you can usually determine that there might be some factor within the bleeding system that uh, that allows them to heal or not to heal, and they may need a specific medication to uh, get better. Uh, most of the time, I would say, you know, you certainly can get headaches from microscopic bleeding in the brain if there's no reason to believe that uh, if someone is bruising easily uh, in the skin that there couldn't be micro bleeds in the brain and I'm really talking about small I'm not talking about something that that requires surgery or something else so that certainly could be a possibility but I would have to say that most likely uh, it would be important not only to get a workup for the bleeding to make sure what's going on there, but also to find out and figure out what uh, is causing the headaches aside from the potential for bleeding. There are many more things that are more likely and more probable, although I would start out by talking to your doctor and saying, I have the bruising and I have the headaches. And so allow the doctor to know that and begin to work up both aspects. And if at the end of the workup, they both come together and say, yes, it is because of that, then treatments will be accordingly. But my guess is that when we call for a differential diagnosis, somebody comes in with some kind of a complaint, we try and think of a number of things that could cause that complaint, mm. and then we start figuring it out. So if if I if somebody came in to me with headaches, the first thing I would think of would not be microscopic bleeding. I would want to look for other things. And you look for, we say in medicine, uh, when you hear hoofbeats, you should consider uh, horses, not zebras. And that means that go for the obvious, more important. So if you're stressed out all the time or you're not eating well or you have some kind of a genetic disorder or you're doing things in an in a environment that, that has toxic fumes all the time, look for the more obvious reasons for the headache. But keep in mind that there are zebras out there <laughs> and that it might be the the microscopic bleeding. So I would definitely speak to the doctor about it. I would say to you that they're probably not related, but we can't say 100% without testing that there isn't some kind of a correlation mm. between them. Mm. Uh, do you want to go to another question? Uh, uh, I hope you said, do you think that answered the question? Oh, I do. I think you okay. were very thorough. <laughs> okay. 
All right, let's go to another question, and then we'll speak a little more about some of the okay. healings that I want to talk about and, and okay. what's out there in terms of uh, medicine. Okay, so the next question that has come in is, my mother has been, uh, sorry, my mother has some degenerative joint problems in her hip. She was told that she needed surgery, but opted out. She has changed her diet slowly and been able to get back on her feet and walk a block or two. Does strengthening and diet secure a long-term healing for this kind of problem? That's a great question, and it's a question that many people are going to face in our lives right now. Uh, when something uh, gets injured, the, you have to determine whether the injury was reversible or not reversible. Uh, and that's the first step. So when you get to a point where you have degenerative changes, those changes, for the most part, are not reversible. So if it's degenerative, then it's gone to a point where it no longer really will heal perfectly. There might be some healing that, mm. that, that can occur. But the important thing here is to prevent further degeneration. And if you think of it, uh, as something that, uh, like a, a pebble that goes into a pond, you have that first area of degeneration, but then the waves ripple out. So the rippling effect could be that the degeneration, for example, is in one part of the hip. And if you continue to do the things that, that you do, which includes genetics, uh, mm -hmm. then most likely that degenerative area will spread and cause more problems. But if you suddenly, get that information that says, uh, you know, I have, and I think the, the, uh, questioner said that their mother had a degenerative disease. I don't know if that's a, a systemic disease or they're specifically speaking about just in that one area. If it's, if you have some type of a disease where everything is degenerating, that's a lot more difficult than if you have a specific one area, one joint. So the next part is that you do need to do things to uh, strengthen the area around it. You also need to do things that will prevent further degeneration. And you also need to have concepts of balance and something that you were alluding to earlier uh, in our discussion about how you are now going to deal with the fact that you're no longer able to do the things that you did when you were 10. Are you able to be happy the fact that you can walk a block rather than being able to walk 10 miles? Those are important parts of the healing. But I would say, yes, lifestyle of eating correctly. There are many foods out there that are giving indications now that they can cause inflammation. Uh, we don't have all of the science that exactly proves it yet, but this is what we're going to talk about in a few more minutes is that somehow it, it appears that. Uh, the science will eventually show that these processed foods we're eating and a number of things that can cause inflammation can aggravate an area that it's already inflamed and that doesn't have as good a blood supply as it did when it was mm -hmm. 10. So lifestyle changes are very important and mental attitude uh, is also very important in that process of healing. Mm -hmm. So yes, I encourage better diet, uh, certain types of exercise. Just because you exercise doesn't mean that you're doing benefit to a joint. So you would want to have some kind of uh, physical therapist or a, 
a trained Pilates instructor or someone else that really knows the joints and the muscles and the tendons and that can work with you to strengthen other parts of the body, the core, for example, the abdomen, the back, and so that if you do have to compensate because you're having pain in a certain joint when you move it as you take each step, you might develop other ways that you can engage your muscles appropriately so that you'll minimize the degenerative process that's going on. Mm. Mm. Wonderful. So uh, I, I do believe that's, that's a, a great... You're so articulate when it comes to things like this, uh, Glenn. <laughs> well, I, and clear. I, it's, 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 and you make it... You make everything so simple uh, oh. for us to understand. I mean, for us, the layman to understand. And that's, that is really such a gift um, uh, for, so that when we take it in, it's not like, uh, you know, sometimes we go see a doctor and it's really difficult to understand because some of the languaging, it, I think it puts us in a position where it takes us like a day or two to actually decipher what it is they're really trying to tell us. <laughs> Me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's one of the reasons I chose to become a medical guide. I saw all of that and the communication and everything. So in, in Western medicine, it, which I believe is fantastic, I mean, we have therapies and diagnostic tools and treatments for specific diseases that are just amazing, and we will continue to have more and more of them. But what's happening in medicine today is that the doctor is having less and less time to be uh, honoring of the doctor's appointment. And so this is where we talk about the concept of holistic medicine or holism. The, the doctor is trying to look at us in many ways as sort of this biopharmaceutical, biochemical, structural <laughs> process that we're trying to analyze to see if we have a therapeutic tool that will help it. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to understand now from the process of all of what they've called the complementary alternative or integrative medicines, the traditional Asian medicine, the Ayurvedic, uh, the homeopathy, naturopathy, the shamanic medicines, they all have a more holistic point of view. And in medicine, mm -hmm. it's taking us time, but we're starting to uh, get certain things. We have people uh, like uh, Herb Benson and Dean Ornish and Joan Baroshenko and Andrew Weil, a number of other people that are starting to uh, promote the process of mind-body medicine, which now takes us away from just the cellular aspect of what's going on on a chemical basis, but we're also starting to understand that the mind has some function within the process of healing. You can get so scared that you can go into what we call bronchospasm and you can't breathe or you can get so scared that your heart stops, skips a beat for a moment. Mm -hmm. And we know that emotional things can cause problems, but we also know that better emotional things can also cause healings. We're seeing now that, for example, uh, a couple that have been together for 60, 65 years, uh, one dies and then the other one dies within a year. And part of that is the effect their immune system goes down. But it's probable and very possible that in many cases, the immune system goes down because they're lonely and they're depressed and they're, they're just missing someone. So emotional aspects, if that person is given love and compassion and a number of other things, we see that 
healings can still happen on that level. So we're learning about the mind-body connections in medicine. And going back to the process of doctors don't have that opportunity anymore because they may only have 5, 10, or 15 minutes, and they're, they want to function more and focus more on the uh, biophysical aspect of the process. Mm-hmm. Even though we're starting to learn that there's a holistic process, we're now counting on the uh, other medicines like the uh, acupuncture or uh, chiropractic or, or Ayurvedic or Reiki or something else to bring in that process. And over time, I believe, and I don't know how long it could be, it could be another hundred to a thousand years. <laughs> Eventually, we won't be saying integrative or what I call combinatorial medicine. We're, we're using the best of the science of evidence-based medicine from Western medicine, but we're also using that uh, other process that you said before. These cultures have survived for thousands of years with their healing process, and part of it is because they have this holistic view, and they know that Part of the treatment and part of the healing has to do with a holistic attitude. And mm-hmm. attitude is very important there because attitude has to do with emotions and things like that. And if you're in a happy place, when I talk with people, I work at the, the Santa Barbara Healing Sanctuary. And one of the things that we do there is uh, we look at people's dreams as part of a healing process. Many people come to us uh, with different disorders and processes. And when we talk to them about what's healing, they want to get back to a quality of life. They want to have joy in their life. They know that they're going, not going to be cured of their multiple sclerosis or their uh, severe back degenerative disorder, but they want to find some process. And through the process of, of art and um, literature and drama and creativity, we're starting to see that creativity and artistic processes are also part of healing. And that might even bring into the concept of the science and art of medicine that we need to think of. Art is just not a way to talk to our patients and clients better, but it might be that we have to encourage a creative aspect toward the healing process for people. And what we're doing now, I read a piece by uh, David Riley on healing, and he was talking about how we all might want to be like Michelangelo, for example. And we decide we're going to be like Michelangelo by studying all of the chisels that he used to carve the marble or by studying the paintbrushes that Monet used uh, to paint his paintings. It's not about the therapeutic tools. That's what Western medicine brings to the table. Uh, but even within the tools, acupuncture brings needles to the table. So all of mm-hmm. them have their uh, little toolboxes that they have. But I think what we're looking at now is more creative, holistic approach toward uh, healing and being able to look at how can we heal aside from therapeutically on the cellular level and the mental level emotionally but how can we heal in a more creative manner that includes our spirituality and connection to the universe? So all of these are starting to come into play. And I think at some point in the future, uh, it will not be called uh, Western and complementary mes- medicine or Western and integrative medicine. It will just be medicine. Mm-hmm. But 
But within that medicine process, it will also require that people take their own responsibility. You know, if you go to a doctor with a strep throat and it's bacterial infection and they give you an antibiotic and you don't take the antibiotic, then you may not heal. So it's not just anymore about uh, what the doctor is going to do for me. It's also about what am I going to do for my own healing mm -hmm. process. And that goes back to the original thing that I was saying where we need to have knowledge. We need to understand our bodies a little bit better. And we need, maybe even if, if you're deciding you're going to become a football player, you know, I know it's tough because you're thinking about the, the running, the passing, the catching, but it might also be something to decide uh, to look at the uh, structure of the neck and say, okay, this is how much room I have for my <laughs> spinal cord, or this is, this is what the knee joint is capable of doing. Do I want to have a 200 or 300 pound uh, person coming in uh, with a lot of uh, determination to put me to the ground? Uh, mm -hmm. How much of that do I want to take in my life? Because at some point, football may be over, and then we have years 50, say, through 80 or 90 or 100 to deal with this chronic pain that we have. Mm -hmm. I used to believe that, and, and maybe I still believe it, I believe that every child should have a, a pebble put in their shoe mm. and say, I want you to walk with this pebble for the entire day. And you know it's going to hurt a little bit, and it's going to take them a few days to heal uh, from it when you take the pebble out. But it will give them a concept of what daily pain is like, because we don't understand daily pain as a child, but we certainly understand it as an adult. Most of us, I see so many people that are in pain, and they're, they're crying out for help. And the help sometimes is uh, there. The help first, in my opinion, should be to prevent or prepare for, but then we have to look and hope that Western science can create certain things, like they have done miraculous things with total hips. People that have had a total hip uh, and are out of pain now, that's wonderful, or total shoulder or total knee, or and we'll have more things. We will at some point be able to probably lubricate joints a lot better and maybe make some of these degenerative processes regenerate at all. But if you get to a point where you have a lot of degenerative processes going on or painful conditions going on, you're either in a place where you can heal from it, where it's because of just a certain type of an injury, or you can't heal from it because it's it's uh, multiple sclerosis and you're not going to heal from that, at least at this point. So you have to now consider healing from a different point of view. And this healing goes to the mental healing and the spiritual healing. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where uh, you can still become, have joy in life and have meaning and creativity in life, even though certain things are not good. Mm -hmm. Well, Glenn, this is uh, quite a, it's been quite an hour. I'm just checking to see if there's any other comments or questions that have come in. Um, and uh, I, I, I agree with you uh, with what you're saying about the future of medicine and how it's it's all going to come together and sort of integrate as a whole. And, and uh, what we call the holistic medicine is all going to you know, sort of combine into one. But at this point, I as we're interviewing so many doctors on Magical Medical Tour, 
And then, you know, I, I interview some of the holistic practitioners on Trinity of Life. I can really, really see your place as a medical guide amongst this because it, there is so much to choose from now. There is so many choices for us as individuals, which is brilliant. It's wonderful, you know, because people of the different healing arts are actually coming forward now to say what they do. Because I remember 30 years ago, you know, it was like, that's the woo-woo world. The woo-woo world stays in its own area. And here is the actual medical world. And, you know, the majority of people, unless it's based on a certain science, they really don't want to hear about it. Unless it's based on certain tests or, or um, what do they call those? Uh, um, blind testing? Uh, double blind uh, <clears throat> analysis and uh, randomized testing. Yes. Number of tests, yes. And we're looking now in Western medicine for evidence-based medicine, which is very important to have. But I think we can never <clears throat> allow ourselves to accept the fact that just because we don't have the evidence, if we have thousands of years of proof that certain things are working, uh, even though they haven't done a quality-controlled study, uh, there's still something in there that's worth looking at. We're seeing... Sometimes we need to look at the evidence, but we also need to look at outcomes. Mm -hmm. and even if we can't find the evidence, if we find that people that uh, had heart attacks and had no emotional support didn't do as well as people that had heart attacks and had emotional support, there's no evidence that we have yet. And it may be a difficult study to develop and yeah. plan. But at the end of the day, we see that there's a different set of evidence that proves or that at least shows that that needs to be considered as part of medicine. And I think uh, we're all starting to realize that to some degree, that it's really the whole person. And, and when we say, and even more specifically, and, and why as a medical guide, I have to, as I said before, determine what each person has as their normal and what, mm -hmm. what tools they have in their own toolboxes to how they're going to be able to heal. We can certainly add new tools if they're open to it, but if they're not and they're closed to the, uh, these are the only tools I want you to use, then this is, this may be as far as we get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> I do believe, I mean, we, we are at the top of our hour right now, um, Glenn, and I, I do believe that we, we need to have one show specifically for our audience just to sort of like shoot in their questions. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a good idea because, uh, you know, I would like to continue to have uh, the shows with our great healers and experts, but I also would like the opportunity. But when they're on, it's, we really want to give them the floor and let them uh, give us their wisdom. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, I think there are a lot of people out there just like for a doctor's visit Sometimes you want to ask the doctor a question. And uh, so I think that we should make this some kind of a periodic uh, program where it's just you and I speaking and p picking a topic and starting on that topic and then allowing people, even if it's not on that specific mm -hmm. topic, to uh, call in and have the opportunity to ask a question. We may not be able to make the perfect diagnosis, but again, as a medical guide, we're trying to find the path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I totally agree with that. So on that note, our yeah. medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Well, I want to 
again, thank all of our viewers and thank you, Christina, for uh, sharing another week in uh, the healthcare galaxy on Magical Medical Tour. And uh, I would like to thank all of our listeners and the people that, uh, viewers and the people that have sent in questions and encourage people to not only send in questions, but they may also have topics that they want us to approach in the future. So we should uh, make sure that they know how to send us that those requests. And when we see those requests, we will honor those and, and cover topics like that. Ooh. And then open the show sometimes to, we'll call it open mic night. Yeah. <laughs> Comedy Central. <laughs> so everybody, uh, until next week, uh, I want to thank you. I want to thank all of my healers and uh, all of my teachers who have helped me on my journey. And thank you, Christina. And uh, until next week, I want to wish everyone optimal health. Mm. Thank you so much, Glenn, for a very, very full hour of uh, information to help us understand how to keep balance in our life and, and how our bodies, these amazing, amazing machines, I mean, really, uh, computer systems, really, and universes, as you call them, that our own galaxies, how they flow and work. And I know we, we've we only touched the tip of the iceberg. We've only touched a cell of it. How's that? <laughs> that is so perfect. There's so much more. And, and the other thing that's important to know is that in medicine and in science, every day new things are being found out. So some of the things I may be telling you today we may have, we may find, and we will find that even when we talk about a lymphocyte or a certain type of cell, we're going to find out that it's not the whole cell that does this. It's this one little receptor site that is that is uh, governed by a genetic uh, piece of material that that functions the whole way. So every day we're learning new things. So it is never ending, and it is the tip of the iceberg. Mm, thank you. And of course, we'd like to invite you to join us live every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 1.30 Eastern Time for the Magical Medical Tour. And of course, on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Trinity of Life. And um, of course, if you would like to contact Dr. Glenn Woolman, please visit, visit him at myyogahub.com forward slash gwoolman. Or on Twitter, which his Twitter handle is at Glenn Woolman, one word, and through his own site, glennwoolman.com, where you can learn about his metaphor square breath. And it's something that uh, we recommend to everyone because it, it really has helped so many people who have recommended it too. And also he has, for those of you who have any, any sort of problems sleeping, he has a wonderful CD that he has arranged with his cousin called The Sleep Suite, which is a CD that I haven't quite ever gotten through because I fall asleep well before it even gets to the middle of it. <laughs> so we would like to invite you to check all that out and, and enjoy. Until the next time, namaste. Namaste.